Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to the Celtic Soul Podcast with me, Andrew Millen. My guest on the show today will be former Celtic goalkeeper Rob Douglas. This episode has been sponsored by St. Lawrence's Celtic Supporters Club, Drada. I would like to thank them all for their continued support of both the fanzine and the podcast. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to sponsor the podcast, please email us at info at celticfanzine.com. You can also contact us through the website or on social media. I found myself still scratching my head this morning after Saturday's defeat to Rangers. This is the third time in a row that a Celtic team was second best to our arch rivals from across the sea. Yes, we did win the League Cup against them, but can we really be honest and say we outplayed them that day? No, we didn't. A mix of COVID-19, no fans in the stadium and a true blue referee are still no excuse, but a lacklustre performance and dare I say it, spineless performance from the Celtic team who never managed one shot on target in 90 minutes. This isn't the Celtic team I know. All doesn't seem well at Celtic. There's been a lot of money spent as we go for the 10 in a row. Some might say the money was spent a bit late when you consider we were knocked out of the Champions League and those who knocked us out will face Barcelona tonight. But we did fail to qualify for the group stages and then we started to get some good results even if the performances didn't match. And starting on Thursday, we look for answers against AC Milan when they come to Celtic Park. We can't have another performance like Saturday. It doesn't inspire confidence in anybody, especially us, the fans. So who do we blame? The players? The management team? The board? Or is it a collective of all three? Whatever's going on, that's what I'm wondering. All is not well. The fans have been split all season. Over. Should Neil be the man to lead us to the 10? Or should he not? We're struggling to break down teams and add those late goals papering over the cracks. Is there a split in the dressing room? If so, the media are going to love it. The Rangers fans are going to love it. Maybe it's time we circle the wagons and create it. It's us against the rest of the world mentality. Who is leaking the team to the media? It's all over social media the night before the game. This is wrong. We should be a toy circle and that dressing room needs to get toy. Twitter can be toxic and this is the night before the game. There's a young player making his debut and there's questions being asked about him. Celtic need to get the house in order and Celtic fans, we need to stick together. This is a big season and tough times are ahead. 
If we all stick together, we can get through this. Rob Douglas joined Celtic in 2000. He played over 100 times under Martin O'Neill and was part of the famous UEFA Cup team who brought us on that wonderful road to Seville. During his time at Celtic, he picked up three league winning medals and three Scottish Cup medals. And he was also capped 19 times for Scotland. Hi Rob, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. How has life been in these strange times as we go in and out of various forms of lockdowns and restrictions? How are you doing? Thanks for the invite. It's, um, yeah, it's it's strange circumstances now. I'm obviously up at a growth coaching and uh, we've just started the league back again in the Betfred Cup and it's incredibly strange um, getting into stadiums, changing understands, etc. No showers, no, you know, no fans, no atmosphere, but... Um, I think we've got to appreciate we're still getting a bit of football while we're in the middle of a pandemic. How long the football lasts for remains to be seen at the moment. It must be very tough for the lower division teams to because the, obviously the lads are walking during the week and then have to go. And as you say, there's no showers, no nowhere to change really in, in, in some of the grounds. I think when you look at it, you know, there's, there's obviously uh, Malo and our growth are, are the two part-times in the championship at the moment. We had the fantastic season last year when it finished. We could still have been relegated, but the way we were going, we were looking more likely in making the playoffs. Um, disappointing result on Saturday at uh, Wraith Rovers. Um, we didn't deserve anything. But again, when you look at our squad, you've got guys who are working in building sites, you've got guys in dockyards, you've got teachers, you've guys who are involved in football academies. So the volume of contacts that must be involved in there is um, pretty scary when you think of it in that aspect. Yeah, it sure is. Robbie, you were playing Saturday, so I don't know if you got to see the Celtic Rangers game. I didn't. I've seen the highlights. I've certainly seen the highlights. I didn't see the game. We were obviously away to Wraith, so uh, I left just as it was kicking off. Disappointing result, poor, um, and I'm sure Lenny will be looking forward to the next game. Uh, keep in touch with him, so the main thing is is that Celtic get back on the road. Uh, I always remember Paul Lambert said at Celtic, you lose two games in a row and it's a crisis, so Hopefully they can get back to winning ways. Yeah, and I suppose uh, as fans we make it a crisis sometimes as well and, and we can be our own most enemies for giving the media and opposition fans something to throw at us but maybe we should be keeping a bit more in-house. But I would always be one for looking at the long game, Rob, but I have to say I, I haven't witnessed such a poor performance by a Celtic team against Rangers. You know, failing to register one shot on target. I, I'm still scratching my head. I, I, was, I just couldn't believe how bad the team. I know there was COVID pullouts, you know, there's no fans in the stadium and that. But, you know, when you pull on that jersey against Rangers, even if it's a game of tiddlywinks, you should be given 100%. And I don't think the players did. As I say, I didn't see the full game. Certainly saw the highlights. I saw the one that was lifted over McGregor. It's maybe on his square. Again, you know, it's easy to see after the game. Listen, I think now you look, you've got, you've got so much getting released on social media. The papers are looking to fill social media as well. You've still got the newspapers. You've got the telly coverage. It, it's, um, everybody's all of a sudden pointing fingers and that. Nobody's been complaining over the last few years. A few years from Celtic have been dominant. And uh, that's the one thing Celtic do have is the consistency level. So I'm quite sure Lenny will be getting back into them and uh, getting that instilled again. Yeah, you mentioned Lenny there. You know him well. You've played with him. You played against Rangers with him. Now he's going to be hoping, but he's also going to be aware that the last three performances against Rangers, even though we beat them in the League Cup, we have been below power, and Rangers have been the better team play-wise. And 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 it kills me to say it, but you know, is Lenny the man to turn around? You've been in the dressing room. You know what his spirit is like. You know what his personality is like. 
listen, Lenny's Lenny's one player that every team opposition, whether he's a player or manager, they all hate because he's a born winner. You know, that's the one thing. I'm sure Lenny will be hurting as much as anyone at the moment and he'll be looking at how he can outfox Rangers in the next game. And um, yeah, it's probably sad to say that Rangers have been the better team over the last few games. Uh, you look at Fraser Foster's performance in the cup final, which was unbelievable, things like that. But I'm sure Lenny will be now looking at tactics, um, lineups, formations, players, who he thinks can maybe come in and, and change it against Rangers. Obviously, he had a lot of injuries with the COVID thing, etc. A lot of cancellations, but he'll still be hurting. You know, there's probably nobody will be hurting more than him. Um, and you're, nobody likes criticism, whether you're a goalkeeper, or whether you're a centre-forward that scores all the goals. Everybody likes praise, but nobody likes criticism. And I'm sure Lenny will be desperate to make amends for that. And we have a tough one coming up on tours tonight to try and make amends. AC Milan at home without fans. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I was down, uh, I think it was Lazio last year. Um, I got tickets, Lenny got his tickets and went down, obviously took my daughter because when I was at Celtic, she was just she was just a couple of years old, you know, just a baby. So um, we went back down, the atmosphere was great and, and they played brilliant. So I would be looking for a performance similar to that. And uh, listen, there's nothing better than getting a game during the week after getting a, a sore, one, sore result at the weekend. And that's what you'll be looking at, as I say, it is a tough game. AC Milan, tactically and technically, the foreign teams are always brilliant, but it doesn't come much tougher than that, certainly. But Celtic at home in Europe, give them a chance against MD. That's one thing over the over the years everybody's noticed. Yeah, I think I think um it's just it's not it won't be a fortress without the fans, but that's the only thing, Rob. And yeah, as like you know more than anyone, like how much people will hoard because you've played against Rangers and you've played in these big European games. But Rob, before you uh you know, did make your mark at Celtic. You know, it, it was a long road for Rob Douglas, you know, from working on building sites and then through the amateur ranks. And then I think it was Meadowbank Thistle who be, then moved to Livingston and you finally got a bit of success. You, you got promoted with them then, didn't you? Yeah, I'd been playing amateur at Symington Tinto uh, in between Lanark and Bigger. Had a team in the Lanarkshire League and a team in the Caledonian League and a great bunch of boys, you know, still keep in touch with a load of them. I mean, I don't think things like that change, you know. I'm sure any player keeps in touch with old teammates, but um, I played a couple of games for Meadowbank and the goalie, I think Steve Ellison had broke his finger, so I went in his cover. And for the first year, I was on the bench, Jim McQueen was playing, uh, Steve Ellison was playing and he didn't really feature. Wasn't sure if I had enough belief for... And then the second year, I got a chance, believe it or not, lost 5-1 in my debut and never looked back after that. We got beat down at Queen of South. Thoroughly enjoyed it, although we, we did get beat. And as I say, it was Meadowbank. Played about a year at Meadowbank Stadium, then we moved to Livingston and I can you just kicked on a bit from there. Dundee then came in for us and then obviously Celtic. But as I say, I was uh, a bricklayer to trade. I was in the part-time fire brigade at Lanark. So appreciated the hard work and it, it was nice to get the reward, rewards uh, going full-time at football at 25. Yeah, and like I, I remember speaking to an agent uh, a couple of years ago and he was telling me, oh, if a player hasn't made it by, you know, 18, he's not going to make it. And I'm thinking, well, Ab Douglas ripped up that book, didn't he? No, there's a few, but I mean, percentage-wise, there'll be, I think Jamie Vardy was a late starter, myself, Matt Elliott. There'll, there'll be the odd one, but... Um, I wasn't, uh, I've always maintained, people probably still say, I wasn't the most talented. I had just the, the biggest heart wanting to try and probably last off the training pitch when I was younger, trying to get there, trying to make it. And 
maybe that's the desire that eventually got me there as well. But as I say, you get guys who are naturally talented and you get guys who are just willing to work hard at it. And I was one of the latter, certainly. But um, certainly didn't do us any harm anyway. Now, before you moved to Celtic, you said that you went to Dundee after Livingston, where you won, where you won the first division. So before you came to Celtic, you know, you, you, had, you had success with all the professional clubs you've been at. When did you, did you first hear that Celtic were interested? I, well, I won the, we won the third with Meadow Bank, believe it or not, and then we won the first with Livingston. So it was incredible. Dundee came in for us, uh, went up there. It was, it was 60 grand and a 40 grand player. And obviously, I'd been part time and I, I got to work with Billy Thompson, who was a fantastic goalie coach, great human being. He had the patience to, to work with me, try and get me into the full time training. Rangers were come in for us. Um, I was told I would play six games under Stefan Kloss and then I would be out the team, um, which obviously I'd played 75, 80 games at Meadowbank in Livingston and 130 at Dundee. That wasn't really for me. I wanted to play. Went and met Martin O'Neill. Didn't meet anyone directly at Rangers. That was what I was told. Went and met Martin O'Neill and he said it's basically a straight fight between you and Gouldy. Dimitri was there, Stuart Kerr, myself. So, um, when you went and met Martin O'Neill and John Robertson, Wally, as I say, I was a Muddle fan growing up, so being from Lanark, that was my local team. Went and met Martin O'Neill and there was no looking back, so I was delighted. So you're not a Celtic man coming into the team, and the fans always take to a Celtic man, but Scott Brown wasn't a Celtic man coming into the team, he's a hippie. When you come in and you don't know, obviously you know who Celtic are because you're in Scotland and you know how big the club is, but were you surprised? Did anything surprise you when you arrived in, Rob? I think when you, first of all, the, the quality in the dressing room stands out. I, th- I think, obviously, I'd been to Celtic Park, I'd been to Ibrox, I'd been to Hamden, been a Muddle fan, got to see them lift a cup, so that was good in my era. Um, but when when you go in there, I think just the whole magnitude of it kind of starts to sink in, and it is, you know, like I say, Another one that says he's not, we spark, he's not a Celtic fan, you know, they, they've taken him to his heart. But that's it. It's um, when you go in and you see the scale of it all. I think the beauty is you keep in touch with a lot of the players, but for me, it's that we keep in touch with a lot of the staff as well, which is shows you how good a place it is behind the scenes as well. And I think that means a lot to the staff and the players at Celtic. How hard, Rob, is it to be, you know, I suppose privately you can, but publicly, like, you know, if, if Celtic have a bad performance or, you know, how hard is it for Rob Douglas to criticise, you know, a fellow a player he played with? It must be, it must be all but impossible, is it? Because you, you, you're your mate. It's, hor- it's horrible. Nobody like, as I said, being a goalkeeper, I flogged two and a half, nearly three games in an old firm game, and it's the loneliest place in the world, I can assure you in that. Um, we drew three all that day. It is genuine horrible. Um, I've had another flogged one against with Vignal. See, being a goalie, there's no hiding place. I make a mistake, it's a goal. Whether it's Henrik, Sutty, Didi, Jackie McNamara, they let it under a foot as a throw-in or maybe they're in possession. That That's the nature of the beast. But I think when you see, I'm not one for overly criticising players because no player goes out to deliberately not play well. You know, no matter what team you support or what you try, sometimes it just doesn't come off. I'd rather have been a player that played 150 games for Celtic than never have been at Celtic, never have played or sat in the bench, or sat in the treatment room. I think that's when you look back at your career, you can say, well, he played, I've managed to play. Whatever club you're at, whether you're Celtic, Dundee, or Broth, I think the main thing is players go and play. You know, As I say, criticism's harsh now. When you see Twitter, when you see, see when you see some of the, the reactions from the weekend, it's incredible. You know, The success Celtic have had over the years is incredible. Yeah. 
Well, Rob, the two things to take out of what you said there. One is Twitter is toxic. You know, everyone has an opinion. Some people, you don't know who they are because they're behind a false name. And I suppose everyone's entitled to opinion, but it's the way it's delivered sometimes. I find now, win, lose, or draw, I switch off after 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 a game from social media and just enjoy a point or a, a walk with the dog or something because it just because before this lockdown, we would have been leaving the stadium and you would have been in a close group of mates having a conversation about the game. And but now it seems to be, Twitter seems to be the place where you can shout and whoever shouts the loudest seems to, you know, get the most traction. But long before Twitter, you speak about being a goalkeeper. I've interviewed John Fallon numerous times, you know, and John had some, you know, brilliant games against Rangers, brilliant games in Europe against AC Milan, and they're well documented in the newspapers and that. But he, he says, you know, you're always remembered for the mistakes you made, especially against Rangers. I think that's the one thing people say, remember that mistake. People wouldn't say, remember that save or... People wouldn't say, remember the three clean sheets you maybe got in a row, which um, was lucky enough. It, I think that's the nature of being a goalie, you know, one of the top clubs. Listen, it's, um, as I say, nobody deliberately goes out to try and make a mistake. But um, look, if John Fallon says it as well, you know, you're, you're preaching there. And I think that's that's the nature now of the game and social media, etc. So, listen... Everybody likes a pat in the back, so you, you've got to take some of the criticism, but some of it's very unfair. I think I think when you used to look, you know, before lockdown, you would go for a pint and you would discuss the game with your mates, and that that's the nature of football, you know. You'll all have a favourite player, or you'll, you know, some there'll be a player that you're maybe not so keen on, and another one of your pals might like him, and that, that's the nature of football, because you, you, you've all got a discussion and you're entitled to your opinion in that, so it's good. And that's healthy, but I, I don't think what we see now on social media is healthy. Some it's not healthy in social media, you know. Can um, honestly say that, you know. It's uh, uh, gee, I sometimes even still get stick. That that's the nature. Um, There's a lot worse than me getting stick, so I'm big enough and ugly enough to take it. But as I say, everybody likes uh, praise. Not so many are keen getting criticism. I think sometimes Twitter can be can be naughty and vile. Anyway, if you're on it, you either lie low or you just, is there any point in commenting sometimes? You just go on it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Now, we, we mentioned Martin O'Neill was the man that brought you to Celtic, a legendary figure. You know, travelling his fourth season, you know, he changed he changed the club around for us as fans. It, it was just a great time, you know, for the club. But as a player coming from, and I'm not downgrading coming from Dundee, but it must have been a, an amazing time to come into the club but also, Rob, did you find that, you know, the media, you know, everything you've done was under a microscope? Absolutely. You know, maybe when you would be at Dundee, there'd maybe be a press conference on a Friday or that, there'd be a wee bit of activity. But Celtic, it was every day because you were in Europe or you were, you know, you'd be in international breaks, you'd be going to play testimonials because of the demand for Celtic, you know, pre-season, etc., going down to QPR, places like that. The, the buzz about the place um, was amazing. You know, it, it was non-stop activity and I, I think probably you don't realise until you're you're part of Celtic how how much it involves the press being at the obviously before the games, the photographers, um the press conferences. It's quite I think took a bit of getting used to for me certainly. I would I'll be honest in that department. And is there any is there anyone at Celtic like a PR department that can help you with that or is it just, you know, just deal with it? 
I think Celtic have got the PR department that would look after you back then to a certain degree. I, I think now it's probably magnified a lot more. I, I'd be a liar. I, I can't comment either way. Um, I don't know what they do um, as if they train the players or anything like that. But I think all you can do is go and try your best sometimes. And if your best not enough, which is disappointing, but you've just got to hold your hands up. Um, as I say, I don't think when you come from a club like Dundee or you don't support Celtic, maybe... It is a bit of a shock to the system to see the magnitude of, of it at Celtic. Yeah, well, you, you said it with Paul Lambert, you know, two games and it's a disaster. Uh, whereas that with most other clubs, it's you bounce back from it. Now, you played against uh, Rangers for Dundee. Does that prepare you to play against Celtic or is just the pressure just immense when you have to take to the pitch, you know, especially for the first time? I think the old firm game, obviously, when you play with Dundee, it's maybe starts in a if Dundee were playing Rangers or Celtic, it would start on a, a Thursday or a Friday, where the old firm game starts as soon as the, the previous game finishes, you know, the build-up. Because, in all honesty, it, it sells clicks online now, it sells newspapers, it, it's got everybody talking, it just keeps it going. And I think everybody's looking for a line, everybody's looking for an angle. So, probably in that aspect, it, it's a bit, it's nowhere near, like I say, this, the scale of them um, when it's Rangers Celtic, certainly. Yeah, and then there's obviously huge, huge European nights as well. But Rob, I want to take you back to one that I remember. You typical goalkeeper, you, you know, you spoke a bit remembered for making mistakes against Rangers in the three-three draw. But I want to take you back to one of your most outstanding performances. Now we were high up in in the old stands in the Mastala in Valencia. You know, these are places you dream of going. Us, you know, as a fan, we're high up. Now, we're freezing cold because we're thinking, you know, Spain warm, but it's November. It's, it's nine o'clock in the and we don't have a hat between us. But you came out that day, you know, we witnessed possibly our best performance in the Celtic short in Valencia that night against a really, really good Valencian team. You were under some pressure that night and you just you just excelled. Uh, I was a night sorry, missed the game. His son took not well, I think, if I remember correctly. Listen, we were under the cosh. I think the one thing that sticks for me is we still get beat, you know, I would rather say my best game was at Anfield because I kept a clean sheet. I still lost a goal in Valencia. I know that I had a lot of good saves, but and people have gone about the, the save from Gerard at Anfield, but I felt I'd a better block just after half-time that probably was a, a more important time. You know, it was pretty routine, but um, it was through one and one and I blocked it in the edge of the box. But again, for me, I'm nitpicking, but I was disappointed at the goal. We did lose in Valencia. I just thought I saw it a bit late and could have done a touch better. I mean, that's me being uber critical of myself again. Yeah, I think so, Rob. And, and, and as I said, it seems to be it seems to be a trait of goalkeepers. Listen, I, I think they're an incredibly honest bunch. Um, that, that's the one thing I, I think. When you see, I think when listen, when you make a mistake being a goalie, as I keep saying, there's no hiding place. Outfield players can make a mistake and still get away with it. You know, somebody else is maybe there to cover them, or they can then put the blame onto somebody else. I just felt. I saw the ball a bit late. It was a well-worked free kick, if I remember, from Valencia. And uh, they moved it a couple of times and I got a hand to it. And I was actually really disappointed in myself that I never kept it out. But I'm going to watch that again sometime just to see it. And uh, we'll go for there. But I think they John Caroon that play. And Canizares was the goalie who was one of my heroes growing up. So just shows you. But again, we should have beat them at Parkhead and penalties. Oh, yeah, penalties is just such a... It was, it was a tough night that night to go out, you know, but I, I think, and I don't want to hark back to the current team, but, you know, like 
when you have a performance from your team and you don't and you don't win, you still you still leave you know you leave with a sense of pride in that. And I think maybe that's what's been missing with the current team. But you see, what's wrong as well, Rob, is you know we've been spoiled. You know we've we've watched Celtic dominate, and before Martin came in, with the exception of the Wim Janssen year, and Tommy Tommy had a really good season when we almost won the league. You know, we had so many barren years during the 90s. And I, I think fans that maybe came along after that, you know, they've been just so spoiled. And we we can sit here now and talk about, you know, Knights in Valencia. And you mentioned there, Anfield, you know, we have been spoiled and we were spoiled that season and then we won nothing. Was that the highlight of, of your road to Seville, that, that game in Anfield? On the road to Seville, without a doubt, I was a Liverpool fan growing up. Uh, King Kenny was my hero, believe it or not, and my goalkeeping hero, believe it or not, was Everton, Neville Southall. Going to Anfield and getting a clean sheet was, for me, you know, okay, a, a late starter, a bricky fireman, whatever from Lanark, but um, going to Anfield, and I never forget, I've told boys this story at golf days, Big Johnny scores the second one and I've turned around and there's one guy in the cop with the hoops on and I've just caught his eyes. You know, so we've made eye contact. I'm jumping about, he's jumping about. John Hart's, they're all celebrating up there. That was too fat to get up to that other end. So I just celebrated with one guy in the hoops in the, in the cop end. And it, it was amazing, you know, it, it's memories like that. To get a clean sheet there was fantastic. But again, for me, the whole my whole Celtic experience, I think the best nights were the, the European... UEFA, UEFA European Champions League nights, you know, your UEFA Cup. I think um, the stadium came into its own. Was That was, for me, the most enjoyable nights of my career playing at Celtic. I just thought it was a special, special nights. And if we get back to crowds, it's it's a place to go to sample a European night. Oh, without doubt, you know, Rob, like the home and away, I love going away in Europe as well. When we mentioned Seville, when you think back, there was doom and gloom among the support and the, and the team when, when we lost and Val crashed out of the Champions League and then we go on this amazing run that, that took us all around Europe. You know, I, st- I still joke that I had to take credit union loans out. I, I, it took me years to pay them off but the games were coming so thick and fast, you know, and you had to just, it wasn't that you could plan a holiday, you were just booking flights. It didn't matter how much they were. You know, at one time we went, I think to Bovista the semi-final we went on a chartered plane and it was like maybe four or five hundred quid, which was a lot of money at the time. And still is. We, we went on a day trip, up at three in the morning, drive to Belfast, jump on a plane. And, you're, you know, you're in Portugal, drinking points. And then you go into this stadium. And I always remember, Rob, it was kind of half built because they were building it for the European Championships, I think. As we walked up the steps, there was like gaps that you could see out. The, the steps are kind of at the side of the stand and there was gaps that you could see out and there was, Rab was warming up and we shouted out to you and you gave us a wave and that kind of made our night before even kick off, you know, one of the players gave us a wave and then, you know, you wouldn't have seen it, right? But the joy in the stands that night, Rob, because, you know, this was the biggest thing since probably Lisbon for fans and especially for ones who weren't old enough. Like, there was grown men crying in the stands that night. It was just an amazing atmosphere. And I remember when you all come back out of the dressing room, Momo Silla was doing cartwheels on the pitch. And these are just little things that stick out in my mind of that, that night and that season. Oh, it's, it's amazing memories. I, I think when you look, the disappointment of losing to Baal uh, in the Champions League, then going in that journey, you know, I think it was 19 or more than 19 games on the way. You think um, Kunis, Stuttgart, 
Blackburn, Liverpool, Boavista, Celta Vigo. Um, some teams, you know, he beat. And again, uh, we went to Boavista, got a clean sheet. We went to Liverpool, got a clean sheet. We went to Blackburn, got a clean sheet, you know. So um, the boys in, at the back did brilliant. I remember when Martin O'Neill came in and he started to sign players. There were men, like there was no one getting bullied because like, we had been bullied by, by Rangers. And, you know, we hadn't had much success in Europe. And all of a sudden, you look through that team, you know, you had some really big, big players in front of you, you know, in that defence. And even even up forward, like, you know, the likes of, likes of Alan Thompson, you know, what a player he was. And Sooty, you know, Lennon, they were all they were all tough guys. I think I think as a team, they were vastly underrated, you know, um, your Tomos and players like that. Um, you know, I think it was a total gesture linking them with England. Um, I think... They didn't pay the Scottish League the, the full respect. And I think it actually caught up with them when we when we beat Blackburn and Liverpool comfortable. I, th- I think genuinely, you look at the team, the quality, you know, your Mialbys, your Thompsons, your Petrovs, your Lennons, obviously Sutton, Hartson, Larson, some some squad, you know, and it, it was the whole squad that got us there, which was fantastic. Yeah, and, and when you say the squad, like I remember, you now Big John's injured for the final. You know, and his, his goals have helped us get there. Sean Maloney had to come in against Stuttgart. So, yeah, there was a squad effort and, and there was a, a squad team. And, like, even, I suppose, Tom Boyd was cap, club captain at the time. And he, he, he was going to Seville knowing that he wouldn't play, you know, he wouldn't be talking out on that. But it must have been great to have players like him around because the whole, the whole week of Seville and the build-up. And the, were you aware of the madness that was happening on the streets of Seville? I think I think you were you were getting there, you know, you were you were starting to get the feel and the vibe and obviously I was privileged enough to get some of my pals from Lanark tickets, wife and brother went, etc. Uh, dad went, son went. So uh, you know, just to see how how much it meant to everybody and it comes so close, you know. Um Porto's theatrics, maybe we just fell short, Bob and I get criticism. Um again. And nobody complained when uh, we were getting clean sheets at Boavista or Liverpool. So incredibly disappointed. You got to remember Porto went on to win the Champions League the following year. But yes. the magn- yes. the the scale the scale of of the the movement from the Celtic supporters was unbelievable. You know when you were in the stadium that night was incredible. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I remember going in a, a three hours before kickoff, and it was one day I didn't I'd one drink for the whole day because I just wanted to remember everything. The, when we lost, I think that night I I I'd more than one or two, but um, it, it was just a brilliant journey. But I, I've never watched the match back. Have you? No, no. I've seen the goals a couple of times, etc. And uh, obviously, Bob and I, as I say, get stick. Bob getting sent off. Me, I've heard I flogged all three. I thought I made a couple of good saves before half time. They could have been out of sight. Incredibly unlucky at the third. But again, people say might have saved it with Boric or Foster and goal. Would they maybe kept a clean sheet at Boavista or Anfield? You never know. It's all ifs and buts, you know. Um, we could have played other players from previous years. Would we got to Seville? It, it's a hard one because we were so close and I think it's just a shame that we fell just short. But I, I, I take its own fair. You know, Bobo got sent off. Um, like the heat. I, I do think it's unfair to single people out in that game because... Um, when a defender gets, especially one of 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 Bobo's, you know, size and ability, I'm sure all the players were out on their feet. As I said, I've never watched it back again. And when you're high up in the stands, it's it's sometimes you're just caught up in the emotion rather than actually watching what's going on in the game because you know you 
you're, you're living every moment and Henrik puts the two goals in and we're back in and I suppose what a sad way to, to, to go out of a competition but I think so I, I mean you look Henrik was sensational that night uh, I spoke to a couple of boys spoke to Stillian about it. how did you play Stillian said he felt he didn't play he said well he, other players have said we were just below par um, it's easy to blame Bobo and myself. I think the biggest thing for me was not been not been the goalie. It was the heat for the outfield players, but the pitch was terrible. It had been laid uh, two days before the final. We trained the day before, and wherever you put your foot, your foot was sinking into turf, etc. Small things like that. Possibly we get held up. We were well over an hour travelling. The gaffer was going mental. It was just disappointing. Um, the police didn't seem to be in any rush to try and get us there for some strange reason. Uh, just things like that, you know. Um, incredible, probably the most disappointing in all football, but that football's always there to kick you right in the nuts and bring you back down. You know, that's one thing for sure. The Rabiot's story is, is is brilliant, you know. It's like a couple of working class family, a working class background. And, you know, when we see one of our own from, you know, come into the game late and get the opportunities and play in the European final and, you know, represent your country and, and win so many trophies and, you know, have them medals to show. It's like, it's fairy tale stuff. And then, like us, the fans, you know, you can't bring yourself to watch it again. And it's just, but, you know, you spoke about the disrespect that the English media had for Scottish football, especially that really good Celtic team. And if I can say, Rangers had really good teams then as well. So, you know, Celtic, Celtic were up against it at home and in Europe. So, you know, people need, you seem to forget that sometimes how, how good Rangers were and how, and how good of the players they were and for Martin O'Neill to be so far ahead of him in the fourth season was just dream stuff for us but one player right that that you know they used to say oh Henry Glasson wouldn't do it here and wouldn't do it there but yeah, he goes to Spain and he proves it and then he goes to Man United and he proves it you know so that must give you give you great satisfaction you know to see Henrik going and, and doing it I think without a doubt, you know, people say, oh, you can score goals in Scotland. I think Hendrick's record stands for itself. You then go to Barcelona and uh, lift the big cup and then you get down to Man U and do it. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, it just shows the quality that the guy's got. And um, But again, there was the quality in other parts, you know, Tomo and Sutty. Um, You'd still in Petrov go to Aston Villa. There was quality throughout the team and the squad. You know, we used the squad. I mean, Momo played left back. I think or Momo, was, Momo was on against Liverpool. You know, so the, the squad was used in the whole. Big Ulrich came on in Seville, things like that. So it was a, it was a big squad and it was a squad effort. Yeah, and you mentioned that Henry went down to England. You, you went down to England then, Rav. Um, what's it like leaving Celtic? And when did you, you know, how did you know that your time was up or it was time to move on? Um, the gaffer, the gaffer was leaving because obviously his wife wasn't well at the time. Um, Gordon Strachan was coming in and Big Terry, the goalie coach, said to me that obviously they'd be looking to bring another goalie in. So there was, there was my time was, contract was up anyway. So I obviously had to start looking elsewhere. Uh, listen, when you look back in your career at Celtic and you've got trophies and memories and friends, not just player friends, staff friends as well, that means a lot. But um, it's always, listen, once you leave Celtic, I think anywhere else is, is a step downhill, let's be honest. And um, I went to Leicester and played the first season and never got injured. And it didn't really happen for me at Leicester. 
Um, just one of these things. Uh, went through about seven managers, believe it or not, in a short space of time at Leicester with Milan Mandrich, the chairman. That's, that's so, managers to go through. It was, uh, yeah, I, I went. I had a month in loan at Millwall. I had uh, a couple of months at Wickham with Lambeau. Played a couple of games there. I had a one-game wonder at Plymouth with Paul Sturrock. But no matter what managers come in at Leicester, for some reason, I was completely out of the picture. So I just kept myself fit and ticking over and ended up back at Dundee. But um, great place to live at Leicester. Lenny gave us the areas to go and live. And it, uh, it was a good time. Um, unfortunately, the football wasn't as good as the, the staying area. On my behalf, and you came back up to Scotland, and back to your, back to Dundee, and you play with you know a couple of other clubs. Rob, when the final call comes down on the player, how hard is that? You know, because you've you've come from the building sites and then the and the forest service, you've walked your way up through the divisions, you've had the highs of of, of Celtic, you've played down in England, and then you're back in Scotland, but you're still playing, and then you know it comes to the stage where you know it's 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 full time on the career. Tell us what it's like. Well, I'd been at Dundee, I went to Forfar, um, I went up to Forfar, fell out with John Brown at Dundee, I still believe I was entitled to my opinion, um, I think when you get to over 40 in football and things, you maybe have a disagreement with the manager, there's only one person wins as a manager, so disappointed the way I get treated at Dundee in the end, that's for another time, went to, met Dick Campbell in Magaluf, believe it or not. And he said to come up to Forfar and be my goalie coach. So I went up to Forfar and ended up playing 65 games with Forfar. They sacked the gaffer and I kind of chucked it. Um, I think you know, you know, listen, the older you get, you appreciate your football more. You'll, you'll do the things that give you maybe 1%, whether it's the energy gels or, you know, just anything. The Basically, you know, the, the leggings, the recovery leggings, etc. You'll try anything. The older you get, to give yourself one or two percent, and I, I was—I used to love my Saturday nights out. Uh, I would live for my Saturday, no drink during the week, etc. But now I'm up at our growth. Uh, Dick Campbell phoned us again, so I'm back in there, and I played at forty-five and a half. So <laughs> I, I hadn't played in eighteen months, two years, and I played against uh, Queens Park at Hamden. We won two 0 We are growth. I, I think I'd just come back from two weeks in Turkey, all inclusive. I was a bit of stone overweight, but. <laughs> I got a clean sheet at Hamden and an assist, so um, that's the way to go to football, a clean sheet at the National Stadium. Brilliant, uh, brilliant. So I think I was 45 and a half when I played my last game, but I think I'm registered as a player now, or growth just an emergency to sit on the bench. But I think now coaching, you see it from the other side, you know, and you, I think you've got to pass on your experiences to the players and try and help them. And it, it's great. Listen, I'm learning, I'm learning under the most experienced manager in Scottish football. It's a great wee place, good people at the club, so I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And it's great still to be involved in football on a Saturday, and it still bugs you when you don't get results. Uh, they don't go the right way on a Saturday. Oh, brilliant, Rob. Um, so, Rob, you know, I asked the question, what's it like when the curtain comes down? But the curtain hasn't been pulled yet. It's still a little ajar. You're still registered. We might see it again. Hope, hopefully not. I was, I was trying to work it out. I think my first game was the 90s, so I would be 90... I'd been a thousands, I'd been a tens. I need one game to play in the twenties, and that'll be me. So that would be a fair record. That so unbelievable. I, I do a wee bit. I do a wee bit training, but more of it's. Um, I think more of the training's in the drinking department at the moment. I'm thoroughly enjoying. I'm thoroughly enjoying my Friday nights or whatever now. But it is great being involved in the coaching, and I still keep in touch with the boys at Celtic, Lenny and John Hartson, etc. And 
as I say, it's a massive family. But um, football's going okay at growth, and it's a good wee place to learn your trade. Yeah, I saw you last season. Then I bumped into you at a supporters event, and uh, you were Tamo and um, Big John, and it was it was a great it was a great night. But I want to just before we wrap up, okay? You spoke about you know that performance against Liverpool in Anfield. But you also mentioned, you know, the, the greatest nights was in Celtic Park on those European nights. If I have a time machine and I can throw Rob Douglas into it and I can take him back to, to one of them nights in Celtic Park, you know, it's the one that sticks out as the, you know, nothing beats it. Well, I missed it, but I'm led to believe the pre-match of the Celtic-Liverpool game, just before the teams came out, you'll never walk alone, was sensational. But we drew that one. Anfield away. If you're taking me back... I would go back to the film and we'd try and change the result. But um, it was a journey getting there and I think we gave everybody certainly a bit of hope and belief. Um, disappointing. But any European night at Celtic you give me and I'll take it, I can assure you not. You know, as a fan, we look forward to getting back to those nights because they were nights when we could compete with, with the elite. You know, football has probably moved on now, Rob. The money is just, you know, we now have American billionaires and who own, you know, baseball teams or American football teams. And we now also have countries in the Middle East who now own football clubs. So, you know, no matter how much money you have, it's always going to be an uphill battle, especially playing in the Scottish League. But we do look forward to getting back to those nights. And, you know, win, lose or draw, like the fans are always there, Rob, for, for the team. And hopefully we'll be there again when this, this COVID is, is over. But there's one, there's just one thing I just want to say before we finish. And Rob, thank you very much for coming on because uh, to get a player who played at the level you played at to open up his Celtic soul to us is just brilliant. Not only for me, but for all the listeners. And we started this podcast down in lockdown. We didn't know if we were going to continue it when things go back to normal because we'd be travelling to the games and what have you. But um, twice a week we bring it out and the, the feedback has been just amazing. So... There'd be no show without the guests that come on, be they fans, players, or people from the entertainment business. So from me and from all the listeners, Rob, thanks very much. No, thank you very much for the invite. I think we've been long overdue this catch-up. I look forward to maybe getting back to Celtic Park myself sometime in a European night because Celtic can compete with any giant, uh, no matter whether they're billionaires or they're owned by Middle East countries or no. Celtic at home in a European night, I would pitch against them. So... Thanks again for the invite and highs and lows. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Well, hey, Rob, um, as I said, thanks very much. And who knows, you might be back at Celtic Park as a coach. <laughs> coach driver, I think. No, no, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I thanks mean, a million. It's I, been a pleasure. Andrew, I'm enjoying it, uh, bro. So I, I just wish Lenny and all the boys all the success this season. Hopefully they can do the 10 because that would put them into the the record books and that's the one thing I think they deserve you know their consistency over the last few years has been magic so good luck to them yeah here here Rob and hopefully we can all go back to Celtic Park to celebrate some yeah it's, it's a struggle for a lot of people now this lockdown so hopefully everybody's well and taking care of yourself and thanks for inviting me on no you're very welcome Rob thank you so much Rob has had some journey from building sites and amateur football to playing in the finest stadiums in Europe another great guest you will all agree to open up his Celtic Saltos. We're on another lockdown and there's going to be more mental pressure. Yes, it's going to be hard, but we need to try and stay positive and help each other. I will be getting stuck into more than 90 minutes, issue 111, to keep me busy. And we will keep recording these podcasts while we wait to get back to work 
My dog Henrik will be keeping me active with long walks, which is good for the mind and the body. Folks, I love the beer. In fact, I love one or two beers too many sometimes. But I need to keep it limited at this time, because you know what? It can get you down, especially with so much time on our hands now, being out of work. But we should all remember that it's okay not to be okay, and there's plenty of help out there, and it's always good to talk. So to all the listeners and fellow Celtic fans, please get in contact with us. We want to start talking to you. How's your lockdown going? Not just the football, but outside stuff. Get in contact with us. Drop us an email. Contact us on social media. We want to speak to you. We want to hear from you. We want to get the fans more involved in the show. As I said, I'll be working on more than 90 minutes, the new issue. There's still a few copies of the print copy, 110 available. You can also download the digital issue. Just visit the website, and if you want to subscribe and support us, that's even better. But if not, don't worry. There'll be still plenty of free content on the website, and the podcast will always be free. Also, if you want to support us, you can check out our new t-shirt designs, which you can pre-order, and we'll stick a little Christmas gift in with each order. Once again, I'd like to thank the producer, Ronan McQuillan, for his, for his brilliant work on the show and for keeping me sane at times and stopping me moaning a lot in the office. As I said, folks, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, you can do so by visiting CelticFanzine.com, where you can become a member, take out a subscription, buy a fanzine or some of our merchandise, or you can also donate for price of the point. And I'd like to thank everyone who donated after the last podcast. Much appreciated. Don't forget you can download our app, it's free, and you'll have access to all our podcasts, articles, daily news, the fanzine and our online shop, all at the touch of a button on your phone or tablet. All episodes of the podcast are available across all platforms, so hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. The YouTube channel we're going to put on hold at the moment, Celtic Fans in TV. We've been working on a new show and also some live social distance events, but with the lockdown now, we need to put that on hold and we'll see what happens when we come out of this lockdown in six weeks. Once again, thanks to our episode sponsor, St. Lawrence and Celtic Supporters Club, for the continued support. And if your business or Celtic Supporters Club like what we're doing with the podcast and would like to become a sponsor, please email us at info at as always, you can contact us through the website or on social media. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Keep all your comments coming in and don't forget to get in contact with us. We want to know who you'd like to have on the show, but we'd also like to have you on the show. We want the fans, as I said, to interact with us, especially during these six weeks of lockdown. We will be back with episode 35 when we will have another guest opening up the Celtic soul to us. And we will look back at the visit of AC Milan to Celtic Park and the away trip to Aberdeen. Enjoy the rest of the week, folks. Try to stay positive and let's hope Celtic can bounce back against AC Milan. It's going to be tough, but we'll be there virtually cheering the boys on. Stay tuned, stay safe and keep the faith. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 